I'm going to have to read one verse, Galatians chapter 5. I want to say hi to Gary and Marissa. Hello, Gary and Marissa. I married them, um, boy, seems like yesterday, uh, last Saturday, and they're beaming, and I tell you what, I didn't think I was going to get anything out of her as far as the vows, because she was crying so hard. I wanted to say, are you sure about this? No, I'm, I'm kidding. She was crying with joy, and, and um, sometimes it, it touches me, and I've done a bunch of weddings, but I do. <laughs> it's like that. Wasn't it fun, though? Amen. Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're continuing today. What is the name of this series? Tutti Frutti. You say, that's a weird-sounding series. Tutti Frutti is Italian for all fruits, all fruits. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And God wants us to have the fruits of the Spirit, to produce the fruits of the Spirit. Life is easier if you walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Now, let's look at what the Bible says. Galatians 5, 27. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love. Let's read them together, can we? Love. Joy. Oh, oh is it verse 22? I have been officially corrected from the front row. The first service didn't even tell me. They just trust me when I read it. Let's try it again. All right, verse 22, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He'll produce this kind of fruit in us. Let's say it together, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Father, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. Thank you for the goodness of God. Help us, Lord, to produce this fruit as we walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, fruity. You're supposed to be fruitful, not fruitless. We're supposed to be fruitful, not fruitless. I want to tell you I'm, I'm on this because if Christianity is not good for Monday through Saturday, then it's really not worth my time or yours. And here's what concerns me is I'm seeing churchianity, not here, I'm talking about when I look at the religious landscape across America. There's a lot of churchianity and I'm concerned that churchianity gets confused with Christianity. Churchianity is when you punch a clock, you go in, you sit there, listen to three points in a poem, sing three hymns, punch the clock as you leave, and you did your religious duty for the week, and the rest of the week, you live in the flesh and don't really experience the power of God. But I'm going to tell you today that Jesus came to invade our lives Monday through Sunday. He came to invade our lives Monday through Sunday. He came to manifest the reality of His presence Monday through Sunday. And if I don't experience Him Monday through Saturday and, and on days where I'm not in church, in my own life, then I'm missing something. I'm being robbed of something because He wants me to experience Him all week long. And so I'm telling you that God wants us to produce fruit. 
He wants the reality of our walk with him to show in the fruit that we produce. You do not get a reading on the authenticity of somebody's spiritual walk by their giftedness. Giftedness does not mean authentic because you can have a lot of gifted people who don't walk with God. And I'm going to tell you, giftedness works whether or not you're walking in the Spirit. Jesus said, did I not say to you that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we preach your word? Didn't we use your name to do many wonderful works? And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, how can that be? These were gifted people. Well, because giftedness does not mean authentic. It is fruit that we look for. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. You will know somebody's authenticity spiritually by the fruit they produce, not by the things they do, by the fruit they produce. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in John 15, verse 16. The the, the closer he got to the cross, the more he talked about bearing fruit. The more he talked about, I want you to love one another. I want you to walk in fruitfulness. And here is one of the telling verses. He says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. The reason you're here today is Jesus chose you. You're a chosen person. You're a called out, selected, chosen person. And he chose you to go and bring forth fruit. Now, somebody comes up behind me and taps me on the shoulder and says, follow me. I've chosen you for something. What is the first thing I'm going to want to know before I even walk off with him? What is the first thing I'm going to know? I want to know, why would you choose me? What am I chosen for? Because that's going to depend on whether or not I follow you. Jesus has tapped you on the shoulder. And Jesus has said, I've chosen you. I've picked you out. I've selected you. And I've done it so that you would go and bring forth fruit. Can I tell you today that if you think the whole reason Jesus came into the world was to save you from hell, then you do not have a fully orbed understanding of salvation. You don't really understand the full thrust of salvation. Because we have been saved for way more than hell. We have been saved... For way more. Listen, based on these verses, Jesus did not just come to provide us fire insurance. He didn't, we didn't get saved just to miss hell. It's more than that. Salvation is more than making it to heaven. It's not so you can just say, well, I've got my fire insurance. I got saved, so I know I'm going to heaven when I die. So when the ticker stops, I'm going to go to heaven. That's why Jesus came. He came to die so that I could go to heaven. And that's the only reason he came. And that's the only reason I'm saved. So that one day, when that dreaded day comes and I die, I'm going to go to heaven. That is not the only reason you were saved. I'm telling you, if that's what you think, and that's all you think, you're missing something so important. He did not die just to get you to a mansion in the sweet by and by. Jesus said, I chose you. I chose you to bear fruit, spiritual fruit, in this life. I want you to do something in this life. I want you to glorify God in this life. 
I've called you to do something now. I've chosen you. I've laid my hand on you. I've put my spirit within you. I have called you. I have justified you. I've sanctified you. I've glorified you. I have called you out so that you would go and bring forth fruit on the branches of your life. You're to be fruitful. Jesus said that the Heavenly Father is glorified when Christians bear fruit. Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. God is glorified when people see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. When you walk in love, it stands out like a sore thumb because we do not live in a world of love. We live in a world of self-seeking, self-serving, narcissistic, selfish people. We live in a world of hate. We live in a world of racism. We live in a world of prejudice. We live in a world of, of intense uh, dislike and all kinds of negative feelings going back and forth person to person. We do not live in a world of agape, God kind of love. So when you walk in love, it stands out like a sore thumb. It's like a sign pointing up. People want to know, where'd you get that love? Where'd you get that patience in rush hour traffic? Where did you get kindness and gentleness? What's going on with you? You're not the person I used to know. You used to be ornery and mean and difficult you used to criticize and cut people down and, and, and lose your temper. And man, you were hard to be around. What is this gentleness I'm seeing on you and this kindness and this love and this smile on your face? You used to be known for your furrowed brow and angry countenance. Who has gotten a hold of you? What has changed you? And you say, well, I'm not smoking it and I'm not shooting it and I'm not snorting it and I'm not drinking it. It is from God. God. I met Jesus and he's changed me. The evidence of spirituality is not giftedness. It's fruitfulness. The Bible says, though I have the gift of prophecy and I can prophesy in front of large crowds and I understand all mysteries, I'm wise. And though I have mountain moving faith but have not love, I'm only making noise. See, when you say, I do this work in the name of Jesus, the giftedness needs to be backed up by fruitfulness because the fruitfulness attests to where the giftedness came from. So when you've got giftedness, it needs to be backed up with fruitfulness so that when they say, wow, look at that, a mighty sign was done, a prophecy, a miracle, how are you doing these things? Then they encounter the fruit. And the fruit says, I'm walking with the one who just did that sign. And this is what he looks like. Jesus distilled. Jesus watered down. Jesus broken up into components we can understand is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control. If you had known Jesus back in the New Testament and said to somebody, or somebody said to you, what's he like? What's Jesus like? You've been walking with him. You've known him. What's he like? Ah, well, I can tell you nine characteristics of him. He was full of love. He had joy. He enjoyed life. He had peace in the midst of storms. He was so patient. He was gentle. He was meek, which is strength held back. He was kind. He was filled with faith. He was always talking to us about our faith. Oh, you of little faith, where is your faith? Build your faith. Have faith in God. 
and he had self-control. He was in charge of himself. He was not out of control. That's what Jesus looked like. Now, that's what we're to look like. It's almost like, who's your daddy? (laughs) They say the older you get, the more you look like your dad. It ought to be that way with us and Christ. Who's your dad? We can tell who your daddy is by who you're walking with and the fruit you're producing. If your daddy is God, we'll know who you're, you'll have the family characteristics. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control. Fruitfulness separates true disciples of Christ from what I want to call toe dippers. You know what a toe dipper is? Those who dip their toes in the waters of Christianity, but they never dive in. They're on the peripheral, on the outside looking in. They go to church on Sunday a couple of times a month. That's about it. They don't walk with him during the week. They don't seek him. I'm not being condemning. I'm trying to guide us to the place where the New Testament really teaches. I am so sick and tired and fed up with churchianity. I'm sick of it. It's a lie. God did not come to give us religion. He came to give us relationship. He didn't come to strap us with rules and regulations and a bunch of thou shalt nots. He came to give us life. I, I, can, I can tell if you're religious because you never do look happy. If you're religious, you never do look happy. You know why? Because you're carting around all those rules, all those regulations, all those thou shalt nots, and you're always trying to measure up to a yardstick you will never reach. But I can tell if you're walking with Jesus because there is love and there is joy and there is peace and there is patience and there is gentleness, meekness, kindness and faith and self-control growing and increasing and maturing in you. You can't help it. A branch doesn't have to do anything to bear the fruit of the vine. just has to hang there and just abide. What are you doing? I'm just abiding in the vine. Where'd you get all that fruit? Must have taken a lot of effort. No, I'm just abiding in the vine. And what's in the vine flows into me. I'm just abiding, chilling, enjoying God. You're not supposed to enjoy God. Jesus is coming soon. The whole world's going to hell in a handcart. You ought to look more serious. No, 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 no. I tell you, if you walk in the Spirit, it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. We've got to get out of this religious thing and get into the real life of Christ. And it is a daily, 24-7, 365 day a year walk. Fruitfulness separates true disciples of Christ from religious people. Jesus said that when we bear the fruit of the Spirit, you will be my disciples. What is a disciple? It's a pupil. It's a learner. That's what a disciple is. Disciple doesn't mean a special Christian, like somebody called to preach. That's not what a disciple is. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is normal Christianity. Normal. Anytime you find a Christian who's not a disciple of Christ, you're looking at subnormal, subpar Christianity. We're to be disciples. That means we say, Jesus, you're my teacher on every major issue of life. I've studied the philosophers. I'm not not saying that I, I know everything, but I can tell you this. I've studied philosophers from... 20th century down to the first and beyond Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, the guys that shook the world of their day. And I'm going to tell you something. 
There isn't anybody that had the answers like Jesus. You can find some good things that some of them said. But when Jesus came along, it was like the northern star shining in space. There is nobody that can hold a candle to my Jesus. Not anybody. I'm telling you, we got to get back to telling people he's not just here to save you from hell. He's here to give you life now, right now, in this life. So, so Christians are supposed to say to him, And look at him this way. Jesus, you've got the answers about money. You've got the answers about marriage. You've got the answers about relationships. You've got the answers on temptation. You've got the answers on how to win this battle called life. You've got the answers. You're my teacher. I'm your pupil. I'm your learner. And when I want to know something, I turn to the red ink. I'm a disciple. And you can even find the good things philosophers of days gone by said And you can find an echo or a reflection in what Jesus Christ already said. So we're to be disciples. Can you say the word disciple with me? Every day say, Lord, teach me, teach me. I'm a disciple. If you do that, if you let him teach you, then you will find that you can't help but bear fruit. Now, how do we bear fruit? How does our garden grow? How do you bear fruit? What are some steps to bear fruit? How many of you in here want to bear love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness? Life is so much easier when you walk in the fruit of the Spirit. The Scripture says that the the way of the transgressor is hard. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So much easier to walk in love than it is hate. Hate will tear your guts out. It will give you ulcers. It's so much easier to walk in joy than in depression. And what about peace in the middle of storms? You know, isn't it so much easier to know that God's got everything under control and you have grown in your faith? It's so much easier to walk in faith than it is in doubt. Doubt tosses you back and forth. But when faith is developed, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, it's so much easier to live life in the fruits of the Spirit. They're easier on you. Now, here, I'm going to give you three ways that fruit is produced. Are you ready? Can you say with me, I'm ready? ready. All right. First one is abiding in him. Can you say the word abide? I want you to put that word in your brain, roll it around in your thoughts today, tomorrow, the rest of the week. I want you to think about this word abide because Jesus said this word, use this word over and over again, abide. Listen to what he said. Jesus said, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. Take care to live in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will produce, you will, not maybe so, perhaps so, you will produce a large crop of fruits. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, he's not saying you can't change a flat tire without him. He's not saying you can't get up and go to work without him. What he's saying is you can't produce spiritual fruit, not one bud without him. When it comes to spiritual fruit, spiritual fruit is supernatural. It comes from walking in the supernatural Holy Spirit of God. It is a byproduct of the influence of the Holy Spirit on your life and on your character. And so he says, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, you can't produce it apart from me. So you've got to abide in me. You can't try to make yourself love in the flesh. Your flesh won't go there. It's got to be by him. Well, then what does this word abide mean? It means this. It means to stay 
or to remain in a given place. We could call it stability, stay-ability, the ability to stay daily in a walk with Jesus. Can you say daily with me? Daily. It's the ability to daily stay plugged in to Jesus, daily. The Greek word is like minnow, but it's meno, meno. Meno is the Greek word for abide. And Jesus said to us, let me give you a couple of examples of the way Christ himself used it. He said to his disciples, whatever house you go into, stay there until you leave that town. So here's the disciples. They go into these different towns to preach. He said, you get a house to stay in. And once you've gotten that house, stay, remain, abide, continue there until your mission is completed. In another place, the disciples said to Jesus, where do you meno? Where do you live? Where do you abide? Where do you remain? What's your hacienda? Uh, uh, Donde es su casa? Did I say that right? All right. Where is your house? Where, and they didn't just want to know where his geographical home was, what street address. They said, where do you meno? Where do you abide? Where do you continue? Where do you stay? That's the word. Now, I want you to catch this. When we're talking about abiding in Jesus, Jesus said, you've got to abide in me. You've got to stay in me, remain in me, stay attached to me. So when you're talking about abiding in Jesus, meno means inward, enduring, personal communion. Inward, ongoing, personal communion. It means you're in a relationship with this Jesus I'm talking to you about today. He wants to be real in your life 24-7. Do you know that's true? He wants you to practice the presence of God. He wants you to understand that he's there 24-7, and we are to abide in him, continue in him, have an ongoing, enduring, personal communion with him every day. Jesus had a little mantra he always said to his disciples, you in me and I in you. Can we try that? You in me and I in you. Now, you get married to somebody, you know, you can say that and be right. You and me and I and you, we're one now. Marriage is the only time in life when one plus one equals one. Now, Jesus said, same thing. Our relationship is so close, so personal, so real, so daily, so ongoing, that it's you and me and I and you. I and you and you and me. Well, then how do I get into that relationship with him? How do I abide every day? It's real simple. By hearing and doing the word. Listen to what Jesus said. If you keep my commandments... You will abide. How simple is that? If you keep my word, you will abide, continue, remain in, stay in my love. And that's the vine. That means all day I got the sustenance of the vine flowing into me. And that's the neat thing about a vine. 
You, you can be a, 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 any kind of branch, but if I plug you into a vine that produces love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and faith, and self-control, whatever is in that vine is going to come flowing into you, the branch. You can't produce what's not in the vine. You will produce what is in the vine. If you're in the vine, you're going to produce what's in the vine. You don't have to try. You just got to hang there. So he said, how do you abide? You get into the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are alive. And so when you hear the word and do it, you'll abide in the vine. What about that? Amazing. Listen to what James said. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, all of you are hearing me preach right now. You're hearing the word of the Lord out of the scriptures. Tomorrow, we'll see if you really believed it. Because if you think you can go Monday through Saturday and not get into the Word and not pray and not abide in the vine, then we got you coming in next Sunday dragging your feet, giving me a look like, you better preach me up because I've, the devil's been after me all week long. You know what? If we would all abide in the vine every day, get into the Word every day, you know what Sunday would be? It would be a celebration explosion. We would all come in here full of the Spirit, full of joy, and we would explode. No telling what kind of miracles would take place if everybody abided in the vine all week long and then came to church. That's the plan of God. That's what the disciples in the book of Acts were like. They prayed, and the whole place where they were gathered together was shaken. Amen. So can you say with me, abide? Now, the second way that you produce fruit is pruning. Can you say prune with me? Jesus said, I'm the vine. My father is the gardener. He removes any of the branches which is not bearing fruit. Now, I can't tell you theologically what that means. I'll tell you what, though. I know I don't want it. I know I don't want to experience it. Because if I'm not bearing fruit, here comes the gardener who is God. He goes, he goes looking through the branches and all the leaves. What's he looking for? He's not impressed with leaves. He's not impressed with branches. He's impressed with fruit. He says, I'm looking. I'm looking for a little bit of love, a little bit of joy, a little bit of peace. I want to know if there's more love, more peace, more faith than there was at this time last month. Because you ought to be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. It ought to be getting produced in you just by hanging there. Have you ever gone up to a branch on an apple tree and said, how'd you do that? Oh, it's been a lot of hard work. Uh-uh. I've just been hanging here, plugged in. Listen to what he says. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it will bear more fruit and increase its yield. Now, it's a guarantee. How many of you can say, I'm not where I was last year? There's more fruit in my life. Come on. All right. Now watch this. Get ready for the pruning shears because they're coming. Prune is a gardening term for when somebody cuts branches back so that the fruit will be more plentiful. You see a tree that's growing every which way, all kinds of directions. It's got fruit on it, but the gardener will come along and say, wow, there are some fruit. I want more fruit. So he cuts the branches back. And what looks at first like a loss is actually a gain. Because now it's going to produce more fruit. Now in the spiritual sense, here's what pruning is. Pruning is the process by which God cuts out of our lives what is still hanging around from our old nature that is fleshly and carnal. 
Now, I don't know if anybody needs to tell you this today, but you're not perfect yet. I know that's a shock to some of you, and it may be a shock to your spouses who also think you're perfect. But let me just inform you, you are not where you used to be, but you're not where you're going to be either. And so you're, you're, you're a work in progress. God has, is working in you ongoingly every day, and He's not going to stop until all nine fruits are not only present, but mature. And you know how long that takes? Till you go home to Jesus. It's an ongoing process. Now, He's going to prune away, He cuts away old habits, thoughts, lifestyles, our old ways, those things are going to be approached by the pruning shears, and he's going to do it by convicting us. You're walking along, and you get a conviction on the inside of you, and God says, that's got to go. I want that out of your life now. Say, but Lord, it's been on my branch for a long, long time. Well, but I know, but I want it to go because I want you to produce more fruit because I'm so thrilled to find a little bit more love in you than there was this time last year. So I'm cutting it back. So that's got to go. That way of thinking's got to go. That way of responding to adversity has got to go. That way of judging people, that's got to go. I'm going to cut it back. He'll convict you. He'll nudge you. And if you don't uh, cooperate with the moving of the Spirit of God on your life, God will even exert strong pressure onto you to remove that which is carnal and fleshly and doesn't glorify him. And when God wants to exert pressure, God can exert pressure. Now, he does this, and I'm going to tell you why God does this. Because where the flesh survives, fruit can't thrive. God only does it if he sees something in your life that is hindering fruitfulness. So he says, that's got to go. It's fleshly. It's carnal. It is not helping my process in your life. So that's got to go. And he wants to prune it away. Now, Kathy and I, we have some beautiful crepe myrtles in our backyard. And we've been in our house uh, 17, 18 years. And these things have grown tall and beautiful. These red blossoms, beautiful, lush red blossoms. And, and we, just, we just love looking at them. And we've noticed the last few months these cobweb-looking things on the top of them. And at first I thought it was just a couple of spiders looking for a meal. But then they just began to multiply and increase until all over the top of our crepe myrtles, here's these cobweb-looking things, kind of gross-looking. And one day we're in the house, and here comes this news story, and it's this woman standing in her front yard. And it shows all of her trees covered in this cobweb-looking stuff. And then the camera guy goes, now get ready. Folks. You know how they're also melodramatic to boost their ratings? You know how they do that. And they make you feel like you're about to see the second coming of Jesus every time. And, and so, so he says, now, you're, now get ready because this is not going to be an easy sight. And the camera pans onto her car. And on her car, it's crawling with worms. You can hardly see the paint. It looks like a science fiction movie. It looks like it came from outer space or something like that. Worms crawling right all over the, the, the car and the tires and the windshield. And Kathy, Kathy, I heard her. And then she goes, Jeff, that's what we've got. It's those worms. And I said, Kathy, I don't see any worms. They're there. You know, (laughs) I said, Kathy, I've been out there. I've looked. I don't see worms. I don't know. I don't see what I'm seeing on, on that car. It's only a matter of time. Now, you know, women, they don't like bugs. And so I just finally agreed with her to end the conversation. 
really? Yeah, yeah, they're there. They're there. They're everywhere. We're going to have to leave the house. I told you so. (laughs) Now, at the door, don't come to me and tell me it's web worms. Because 30 people after the first service told me it was web worms, and she was right, and I was wrong. And they were all women. Your wife was right. They're going to take over. But here's what we notice about these things. Where the web is, there's no blossoms. There's nothing green. There's nothing alive. Not only does it kill what it covers, but nothing can grow where they are. And so the only way to get rid of them is to kill the worm. That's the only way. And I also had 30 people tell me how to kill those worms. So as soon as I'm out of here today, I'm headed to Home Depot, and I'm going to get exactly what they told me to get. Those worms have had their last day on the Wickwire plantation. <laughs> people are funny. I've already been told, well, I'm going to tell you anyway. It's, 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 it's webworms. One of them said bagworms. And I said, no, somebody told me, they're, they're all the same. You're being taken over. Now, here's the deal. The way that they destroy life is what the flesh does. Where the flesh is, fruit can't grow. All right? I've noticed where the cobwebs thrive, the blossoms die. And it's the same with us. Wherever the flesh thrives, the blossoms die. So God comes and he sees fleshly habits, carnal ways that are still in our life, and he wants to cut them away so that fruit can grow there because God wants you fruitful. Can you say with me, God wants me fruitful? Now I'm going to tell you the pruning shears are never welcome. Listen to what we're told in Hebrews. No chastening seems pleasant at the time. It is in fact most unpleasant. Yet when it is finished, we can see that it has quietly produced the fruit of righteousness and peace in the character of those who have accepted his chastening. So when God comes along with the pruning shears and says, that's got to go, and you accept it, no branch, if it could talk, would ever testify to you, it felt good when it was pruned. But here's what a branch will say, after the pruning, I produced more fruit. Let me tell you about the pruning, though unpleasant. The pruning shears make you do what you don't want to do, so that you can be what you really want to be. So say with me, hearing, doing, and pruning produces fruit. Now I'm going to share with you one more. Can you take one more? You're going to have to do better than that. Can you take one more? All right, let me tell you one more way that fruit is produced. How does your garden grow? Here it is. Fake it until you make it. Fake it until you make it. I want you to listen to the verse, Colossians 3, 14. As God's picked representatives, beloved, put on... Put on love, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What's he describing there? The fruit of the Spirit. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying you put it on. Now that phrase, put on, literally means clothe yourself in. Clothe yourself in love 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All the fruit of the Spirit. There is something about uh, bearing fruit that I don't think we understand. That fruit is grown, but it's also laid hold of by faith, and we walk in it before we feel it. We walk in it before we feel it. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You got dressed this morning, and I know that every one of you, when you got up, you couldn't wait to get to church, and when you were getting dressed, you were thinking, I can't wait to get to church. Isn't that true? And the rest of you, you're true tellers, because you're looking at me like, no, that wasn't really the case. I, you know, I looked up and saw that weather, and I know there's a cowboy game at 3, and that means pregame starts at 11, and you know, I hear that guy all the time anyway, and he'll be there whether I'm not there. You know, but you came anyway, and you know what you did? You got dressed, no matter what you felt like. Okay, now I'm sweating and I know it, but I'm going to show you something. Here's love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, and self-control. You know what he's saying? Picture all of them on a tree. Which one do you need? You reach up, you take it, and you put it on just like. There goes a phone. I'm going to come answer it. Just like this. You put it on. You put it on. You mean I put on love, just will myself to put it on? Yes. Now, if you're in the flesh and you're trying to be something or act like something you're not, you're trying to make somebody believe something about you that's not true, that's manipulation. But if you're putting on love because God told you to, that's obedience. Now, here's our problem in the West. In the West, we have been taught, if you don't feel it, it's not real. So unless I feel it, I'm not going to show it. So if I'm feeling in a bad mood and miserable and ornery, bless God, I'm going to bless the whole house with it because that's what I feel. How you feeling, honey? I'm in a bad mood. Leave me alone. Sorry, I, 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 I asked you anything. Oh, it's just the way I feel. And we've made feelings sacred. And we have come to believe feelings are what should drive our actions. But that is not Bible thinking. That is Western thinking. It's not Bible thinking. Bible thinking is put it on. Clothe yourself. Get dressed every morning, not just in your clothes, but in the fruit of the Spirit. Put it on. Wait a minute, Paul. That may be true for a lot of things, but not love. Bless God if I'm, I'm not going to tell somebody I love them or I'm not going to act loving towards them if I don't feel the warm fuzzies of love. i got to feel it to act it. And if I don't feel it, I'm not going to act it because that's phony. And I'm not going to do injustice to love. Praise God. It's a holy emotion. So I'm only going to act it when I feel it. Because it's sacred on the throne of my heart. <laughs> Newspaper columnist and minister George Crane tells of a wife who came into his office full of hatred toward her husband. She said, I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. Dr. Crane suggested an ingenious plan. 
He said, go home and act as if, act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind and considerate and generous as possible. Spare no effort to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you love him, and after you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the divorce bomb. Tell him you want a divorce. That'll really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and said, Beautiful! Beautiful! Will he ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if. For two months, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When she didn't return, Crane called her and said, Well, you're ready now to go through with the divorce? Divorce, she said. Never! I discovered I really do love him. Her actions had changed her feelings. Motions resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as it is repeated deeds. So Bible thinking is not wait for the emotion to wrap itself around you and grab a hold of you and and just move on you in such a way that you've got to go express it. But no, you act the way you want to feel. And then eventually you're going to feel that way. You want to know how to like somebody who's unlikable? Start acting like you like them. Amen, Pastor Jeff. I'm getting this CD. Praise God. I'm going to give it to a hundred different people. I hear the wheels rolling. You say, Pastor, does that really, really work? Is the Bible real? Did it give you John 3.16? The Bible said, put on, clothe yourself in. You got dressed this morning no matter what you felt like. You could put on that jacket, that dress. You, you could do. You could get dressed no matter what your emotions were. Sad, glad, up, down, mad, happy, didn't matter. You got dressed anyway. What the Bible's telling us is the fruit is there, and by faith you reach up and you take hold of the fruit and you put it on. So, in, And I've noticed this in rush hour, which is my vexation in life. I hate traffic. Okay? I've noticed that when I'm in the middle of it, if I'll just stop and say, Lord, I'm about to get mad, about to lose my peace, about to lose my joy. If you don't help me, I turn this over to you. As soon as I do that, the Spirit of God rises up in me, and I find that I have put on patience, I have put on Jesus, and I'm not subject to the tyranny of the flesh. So, you fake it, until you make it. You do. Can we stand up together? I want you to say with me, hearing, doing, pruning, and putting it on produces the fruit that we all want. I want to be fruitful Monday through Saturday. If church on Sunday is all there is, you can have it. Amen? Father, I thank you for the fruitfulness that we are all to experience. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and doing, producing fruit. And thank you, Lord, that pruning, cutting off the flesh, 
The fleshly ways and carnal ways produces fruit. And thank you, Lord, that putting it on produces fruit. Now, Lord, we pray, help us to bring forth that spiritual fruit that glorifies God. Help us to do it. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, you know, Pastor, I've heard you, but I don't even know if I've ever been plugged into the vine. I don't know if I've ever been grafted in to the vine. And I would love to know Jesus personally so that that fruitfulness you've talked about could flow into me. It can happen to you today, this day. Or you say, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with God, but I've gotten away and my branch, me, has gotten separated from the vine and I'm beginning to wither. And I want to get back into the place of blessing, back into the place of flow. If you're in either one of those two categories, I want to pray with you today. I want to give you the chance to leave this building with God's peace. God just wants to bless you. He wants to make your life worth living. And he's got a blessing for you. If you can say, Pastor, I'm in one of those two categories, would you lift your hand right now where you are? I've gotten away from him or I've never known him like I want to. Never been plugged into that vine. One of those two. Lift your hand up, and I want to pray with you before we go. God bless you. I'm going to wait just a moment. Keep it up high. I want Jesus to be in charge of my life, guiding and leading me. All right, I'm going to ask us, if your hand is raised, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to slip out from where you are and come and stand in front of me right here. And I want to pray with you. Nobody's looking at you. We've all been there. But I want to pray with you. And the minute that you begin to move, God's going to speak to you and he's going to bless you and he's going to touch you. So you come right now as we worship God. We're going to believe God to make a difference in your life today. Thank you, Lord. Come from everywhere. We're going to believe God for you. Thank you, Lord.